This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. God, for the glory of his name, is reconciling and reclaiming all things to himself. He's just yearning for you. He's longing for you. He wants friendship and relationship with you. He needs you. Oh, you're breaking his heart. No, he's going to break you. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. This, like, when you say, I, I just can't believe in a God that would, you realize it doesn't matter. You don't get to define God. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us some men who know the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God, that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? Thank you for tuning in to Matter of Theology. We are continuing in our Reformation month. Uh, this is October, and of course, if you're listening to this, you're Reformed, so huh, Reformation month is the month to be in. Uh, but just to give you a little recap, uh, we've talked about the necessity of the Reformation, what led into it. We went back, we talked a little bit about Augustine, we we talked about Wycliffe and Huss and you know how they were really the pre- pre-reformers, but the Reformation couldn't take place yet because the printing press wasn't invented. Uh, so fast forward uh, to Martin Luther, the nailing of the 95 Thesis, the printing press, you know, information is being able to be spread uh, quicker, faster, uh, get in the hands of more people. Uh, and we talked about some of the, the heresies of the church uh, and mainly transubstantiation. Uh, we talked about the expansion of the of the Reformation. It didn't just stay in Germany with Luther. It expanded. It went to France and Switzerland with Calvin's Geneva. It went to England with Tyndale. It went to Scotland with John Knox. And uh, it, you know, and it, what we're going to talk about maybe later uh, tonight is it eventually made its way over uh, to the colonies, uh, to um, to the Americas. Uh, and then after that, we went into the enemies, some of the enemies of the Reformation. We looked at uh, Pope Leo X and his issue of the papal bull. We talked about uh, who else did we talk about, Chris? We talked about George Joy, the guy George who Joy, yeah. uh, printed the unauthorized New Testaments after Tyndale in between 1526 and 1534. That's right. Yeah. And we talked about Guillermo Alejandro, who was responsible for. Uh, the first martyrs of the Reformation. Uh, but today we, we're going to be talking about the legacy of the Reformation. So you had that kind of the kickoff point, and then you have the expansion, but also in the midst of the expansion, you have the beginning of what will be the legacy of the Reformation. Uh, and Chris, why don't you lead us into that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this. And as, as we get into talking about uh, the Puritans. Um, and uh, one of the reasons that I'm personally excited about this uh, can be summed up by the Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. As he said, uh, he said that there is a quote, there's a remarkable thing to which I must refer. I feel that we are witnessing a true revival in the interest of the Puritans as a number of young men are studying their literature. And that was in 1955 that he said that. And that's something that I've experienced this year. Uh, it describes uh, what I've experienced this year to the T. And, and where that kicked off for me was at the Shepherds Conference in March, uh, when Dr. Stephen Lawson in a breakout talked about the unwavering resolve of Jonathan Edwards. And uh, since then, uh, Puritanism and the Puritans have been something that I have um continue to dive into headfirst. And so tonight we have uh, a very, very special guest. Uh, he is the director of Media Gratier, Mr. Matthew Robinson, and they just completed and released this bad boy. And you guys can't see this, but this is uh, the documentary, the deluxe edition, Puritan, All of Life to the Glory of God. 
Um, you can get it at mediagratie.org or Reformation Heritage Books or heritagebooks.com. Uh, Matthew, welcome, buddy. Thanks, guys. It's good to be here. We are uh, we are so glad to have you, man. And uh, man, why don't you just tell everybody just a little bit about yourself and uh, maybe like a just a brief synopsis and history of Media Gratier. Sure. Yeah. So you mentioned I'm I'm uh, the director. I'm the founder of Media Gratier. I'm the co-director now. Um, there's a filmmaker by the name of Stephen McCaskill mm-hmm. from Canada who did the Luther film and has worked on us or worked with us on films ever since Logic on Fire, who mm-hmm. just moved down here to uh, co-direct the ministry with me. So nice. that brought our grand total of uh, full-time employees up to three and a half. So we're a, we're a very small nonprofit organization that um, really it works out of my carport, works remotely a lot. Nice. And, um, we do documentaries and video based multimedia Bible studies. And the name media gratia is just a Latin phrase for the means of grace. Uh, we mm-hmm. do believe that God has ordained how he wants to be worshiped. And he's given mm-hmm. us the means through which the grace that, uh, that he planned and that Christ accomplished and the spirit now comes and applies to our life through certain means. And so we try to focus the things that we do to help Christians use the means of grace. And one of those helps that we see throughout the scripture is uh, is something of Christian biography. Mark out men who live like this and follow them and to the degree that they follow Christ. And so we, uh, mm. as you mentioned, we, we've um, done some films on Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one yeah. called Logic on Fire. And so good. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, that was a couple of years of my life that uh, I, I don't want to get back. It, it was great. It was such a great experience to get to know the family and to get mm-hmm. to know uh, his his people. And then um, so Reformation Heritage Books is one of our uh, they sell some of the materials that we create. And um, I've gotten to be good friends with their sales and marketing manager, a fellow named David Woolen, over the years at conferences and through him gotten to know Dr. Beakey. And uh, they reached out about doing this film way back in 2017. And so mm. just uh, seeing you hold it there brings a great deal of joy to me because that's been a, that's that baby's been uh, getting ready to be birthed for a long time. Yeah, man. And we got to, uh, you know, Drew, Drew and I were at the Shepherds Conference in March. And, and uh, when that that day that the breakout uh, happened and, and to get to watch 45 minutes of that, it was 45 minutes that flew by. Yeah. Uh, and it we didn't were, feel like 45 no, minutes. We were both like, keep going. I, I mean, um, I felt like we got gypped. I was like, there's no way that's <laughs> yeah. 45 minutes. Come on. Oh man. And then just to hear, to hear Dr. Beaky and yourself talk about, um, the process and, and who the Puritans were. And, um, yeah, man, we're, we're, we're pumped for it. I, my, my copy came in today and, um, uh, I've, I've downloaded the, the streaming as well, the, the, the digital file and, and cannot wait to finish mm-hmm. that thing tonight. Yeah. Um, and not yeah. only that, man, but I, I, I think one of the great things, um, about this particular documentary, the books that come with it, the, the other resources that come with the deluxe edition. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just a documentary for you to watch and gather head knowledge, but it's, but there, there are resources in there that will, help contribute to, as Dr. Lawson would say, a high and holy living. Um, sure. as, as we reflect on the history of the Puritans, uh, and the things that they stood for. So yeah, 35 video lessons from, yeah. uh, different, you know, respected theologians and teachers. Half of those are on biographies, mm-hmm. um, and half of them are on themes. Um, and there's a workbook that goes along with each one of those for further yeah. study that, you know, if you wanted to have a Sunday school class or you wanted to have a small group to study those, and then there's a really beautiful cloth-bound book by Dr. Joel Beakey and Dr. Yeah. Michael Reeves that is a bit of a of an introduction to Puritans and Puritanism. That's a really beautiful edition as well. So, man, we just want to see people on-ramped. Um, you know, the Puritans can starting to read the Puritans can be really um, scary. And and two, you can kind yeah. of think you could you could be forgiven for thinking, why do I need to read these guys that lived so long ago? I need to read things that are relevant for my life and my mm-hmm. problems and my church and and so, um, you know, the, the reality is that man hasn't changed since the That's garden. Right. That's God right. hasn't changed uh, ever and never will. And so Amen. there's so much that we can learn uh, yeah. from looking back and seeing, you know, maybe it just helps us not um, redo some of the same mistakes that right. our fathers in the faith yeah. have learned from. Yeah, right. I mean, I know just in my own experience from watching that that premiere at Shepherd's Conference, I knew nothing about the Puritans. 
And then after that, that breakout session, I said, man, I need to learn about the Puritans. Yeah. And then, and then I, I, I got, you know, one or two Puritan paperbacks and I started reading them and I go, why have I not picked these up sooner? But then it started, you know, and then I got a hold of the Behold Your God podcast and I started listening to you and, and, and Dr. John Snyder. And I just go, this is changing me from the inside out through yeah. learning about these men and, and how they, whether they were theologians or whether they were pastors and, you know, just how they pastored. And it started, you know, changing me to where I don't just have head knowledge. Now it's mm-hmm. making its way to, to my heart and I want to live it out. And I want to change the way I talk to people, the way I interact, mm-hmm. the way I even view certain situations where I would, you know, at first where I would just start, you know, shooting off at the hip, you know, now I, I kind of stop and I holster the gun and I go, well, let's assess the situation first, right. you know, and then speak into it rather than just start shooting. So I mean, that, that sounds a lot like uh, sanctification to me, brother. And we, we are all on that path. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, yeah. sir. But yeah, as, as Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, that uh, nothing, it's the, one of the most useful things that any preacher can do. And nothing so encourages uh, a true ministry of the word uh, because these men were great exemplars of, in that respect. And he said that in his book, uh, The Puritans, Their Origins and Successors. And so, um, yeah, and I, I'm, 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 with, I'm with, with Drew. Uh, I mean, it was one of those things that I knew about them. And Matthew, I thought the same thing. At first, it was da- it's daunting to to think about reading yeah. them, but then uh, you know I I started with uh, reading the Great Awakening, and um, man, I I I I, I can't stop. <laughs> so, um, and it's and it's the same thing. It uh, it 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 challenges you in in a sanctifying way to um, to live uh, a holy life and. It deepens your theology and love for the Lord, the love for His Word, which of course deepens and uh, and, and does nothing but help your doxology as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's really where they excel. Um, you know, there are a lot of uh, a lot of well, I won't say a lot, but there are other sources for uh, just good scholarship, and I, I'm not one of them. Uh, but there, um, where the Puritans really excel is they were concerned with the interiority of the Christian life. I mean, you could say the reality of it. Um, It sometimes shocks people to learn that I was a Calvinist for 30 years before I was a Mm. Christian. And uh, what I mean by that is I was born and raised a Presbyterian. And so, I mean, of course you're a Calvinist. There's nothing edgy about it. There's nothing cool about it, especially in the late seventies and eighties and nineties. You know, it was, it was just, it was kind of a nerdy thing to be, but it's what you are. And so, um, you know, now I had a lost man's understanding of what, what election was, you know, God has a people kind of like Charlie, you know, had tickets to the chocolate mm. factory and, you know, you either have one or you don't. And, um, I mean, I could really go into that a lot, but the Lord eventually, um, in his timing, uh, brought me to sit under preaching that was very much, um, you could say Puritan-esque in its, in its searching, uh, close application. I mean, really, a better word would be biblical. Right, right. Um, and and you know, I had to come to terms with some of these things. And so, you know, that's that's where the Puritans really shine. Is it's hard to um, it's possible, but it's harder to walk around with a head full of of their writings and uh, and not have it you know sink yeah. down and really yeah. challenge you. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what that, that relates to what. Uh, uh, Steve Lawson talks about when he talks about preaching, read the text, teach the text and exhort the will. You know, when you read the Puritans, what it does is it exhorts the will. It calls you yeah. to action. You can't just sit back on your hands. You yeah. have to you. It calls you to live it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they actually understood the 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 correct uh, reason to engage in theology. Right. 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 They they, they understood the connection between orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Yeah which is something that sadly is lost a lot in our churches. And, and, you know, you know, even sometimes in the reform camp, we can blur the lines sometimes. And yeah, getting, reading those Puritans really brings you back to that, that theology that, that we know that we all know. It's like, okay, they actually help you. Like you said, it's kind of the on-ramp onto orthopraxy. Mm. Then how do we take what we know and how does it change our lives? Right. That's That's the goal. So, uh, so Matthew, we, uh, you know, we had a, an outline that we, uh, uh, kind of put together and 
Man, so when uh, when would you say that Puritanism uh, began? Well, that's a hard one to answer, isn't it? And again, there's so much scholarship that one could dig into here. And I am, I'll say from the very beginning that I'm the wrong source for that. Uh, Joel Beakey and Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary, those are tremendous sources for that. You know, but seriously, I'm an accidental filmmaker and a Christian and a learner myself. And so there are better men that you can talk to about these things. In fact, it's part of my job to talk to better men about these things, but I'm happy to share sure. what I've learned and mm-hmm. some of which has been in the process of making this film. So the Puritan era doesn't really have a specific start or end date. And Vicky mentions that in the film, but it does have its roots in the Reformation yeah. era, as you guys have mm-hmm. already pointed out. So these men are self-consciously operating within that reforming stream, mm-hmm. you could say. The term Puritan shows up um, in the 1560s, and it's a pejorative, mm-hmm. uh, much like the term Christian 1,500 years before, and the term Methodist you know, 200 years later, and others. Uh, you have a people who are looking at the behavior of a group of people and with scorn uh, and suspicion calling them a name, and it's meant to be insulting, and it's meant to be a bit demeaning. So look at these people who are so concerned with purity in the mm-hmm. church and mm-hmm. purity in worship and her doctrine, et cetera. Mm-hmm. As, uh, as my friend Jeremy Walker points out in the film, a parallel name that was used was precisionist. Mm-hmm. And he tells briefly of a Puritan called Richard Rogers, who was asked by someone who didn't appreciate his attention to detail and doctrine and life and worship. And he asked him, Mr. Mr. Rogers, why are you so precise? To which he famously replied, oh, sir, I serve a precise Mm. God. Mm. And that really gets at the heart of it. You know, you have these central truths of the Reformation that are laid out in the sola, which I'm sure you guys have talked about in previous Mm -hmm. podcasts, that we're saved by grace alone, sola gratia, through faith alone, sola fide, in Christ alone, solus Christus, according to the scriptures alone, sola scriptura, for God's glory alone, soli deo gloria. And those are articulated in part by the reformers as early as the mid-1500s. And as I'm sure you've talked about for Luther, the truths of how we're justified as sinners before a holy God, that's central to the work of the Reformation. Now, as we think about the Puritans as, as being the legacy or the next generation after the reformers, Think the church has has had the scriptures in English in the hands of the people for nearly a century now. And you can imagine that can't not have an effect. Right. Um, And seeing how the word in the word of God, just how much God has revealed about himself and about his character and Mm -hmm. how much he's revealed about the Mm -hmm. gospel, the promise of salvation by the seed of the woman there in Genesis. And then afterwards, by farther steps until the full revelation of it was completed in the New Testament. And they see just how precise that God has been about the acceptable way to worship him. And they see that that worship's been instituted by him. And as the confession says, delimited by him or the limits of that has been set by him. And now you have a generation of men who are taking these Reformation principles, these sola, and they're working those out into every area of life. There's a continuation of of reformation of Christian worship, you know, according to the word of God, they're looking at what are we doing on Sundays? What are we doing in our worship Mm -hmm. services? Uh, How are there things that are taking place that are beside scripture? They're, they're not in scriptures. And we can talk about that some more in a little while, but they're also thinking through how every area of life has to be lived to the glory of God from family to work to every other area. And so in that sense, you do have the next generation, uh, the legacy of the Reformation being lived out uh, under the light of the word of mm-hmm. God in the hands of the people in the following generation. Yeah, yeah. And that was something uh, I was reading in uh, Lloyd-Jones's book uh, from Banner uh, that uh, that he said that, that the feeling for them was that the Reformation hadn't gone far enough. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and then right. it wasn't yeah. uh you know it it, it it was taking those things that had been abused and uh to where the the roman catholic you know church uh for so many years had preyed on the spiritual ignorance of of the people that were there and just said no no more the scripture is clear uh this is not in there or it is in there um so so can we talk about i mean the puritans and scripture uh and then and then move towards the puritans and worship because i love going that direction uh with 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 how they held to uh of course the the regulative principle there that must be because you're a worship leader, I guess. You know. Might be. Might have something to do Those with it. Those singers, man. Might have something to do with it. Yeah. I just just want to point out there's um, you know, this there's a there's a fellow called Renahan who uh is a is a very smart dude and Jim Renahan. a lot. Yeah. And uh he did um he did a series um on like, Baptist history. Uh, it's called the Trail of Blood. No, I'm just kidding. It's um, it's like that's my Baptist metal band name. Actually, it's Trail of Blood. Um, it's the unsmiling Trail of Blood. That's yeah. right. <laughs> um, no, he. So it's it's a it's a series of lectures that he gave there on Sermon Audio on on um, you know, Baptist history. But the he begins with the Reformation, and whether you're a Baptist and you're interested in that kind of thing or not it would be worth looking and listening to that first one, especially because he describes what a Sunday, what a typical Sunday would have been like in pre-Reformation England. And just the, just the level of paganism that passed for Christianity uh, and that was required. It would have been required of you uh, to, to engage in all these rituals uh, you know, you have to go sit and hear uh, the the scriptures read in some language that you don't understand. And then someone gives a homily and, you know, don't really understand what he's talking about. But you sit through it and you go through your motions. And then, you know, later it's in the next village over, somebody's parading this finger bone that has come all the way up from Rome that belonged to some, you know, venerated saint. And you have to go and venerate this thing. Uh, you know, and, and I don't want to speak out of terms, but, you know, have to go give honor to this finger bone that's passing through your area. It's expected of you. That's what a good Christian mm. does. That's what's that's what God wants wow. from you, you know, and just all this, all these things. To, you have to put yourself in that mentality to understand just how radical and just how beautiful the simplicity of worship from the scriptures uh, would have been to Christians in those days, um, and the the beauty of the gospel. Um, this these were heady mm-hmm. days uh, where where things uh, long, almost completely forgotten and lost, were being rediscovered, and uh, and the men who were finding them were willing to risk everything because they saw that they were God's truths. And so, where where did they see these things? They saw them in the Word of God, and so you know they having the word of God in their hands and seeing that it testifies to itself, mm. beginning to see that, you know, th- this thing can be read systematically. Um, there it, it's all one message. It, it's, it's all pointing us to Christ. It's all telling us something about this redemption that's been uh, promised and accomplished now and is being applied. Um, the, the scriptures were at the heart of why this, Reformation movement was continuing to happen. So it just could not have been of, of more importance. Wow. Well, yeah, it, uh, I'm going to check that. It's, a, it's called Trail of Blood. Oh, okay. No, I was joking about the Trail of Blood. Are you guys familiar <laughs> with that at all? The Trail of Blood. Yeah, there's this, uh, there's this like legend. I didn't grow up in the in the Baptist. It was the scariest day of my life realizing after I became a Christian that I was a Reformed Baptist. Because when you're a Presbyterian, you might be a lot of things, but you're not a Baptist. You know? <laughs> so, um, so, but I, I am by conviction. Um, at, you know, at, at least today, and. Um, so, um, but I've, I've, I'm learning about Baptist lore, right? And especially here in the South, I live in Mississippi, that there's a very, um, there's a thing called landmarkism, um, and it goes up by a lot of different names. But the idea is that uh, Baptists will say, look, we're not Reformed, we're not even Protestants, because we never went into Rome. 
Um, and the idea is, you know, God would not ever leave himself without a witness on earth. And so there's always mm-hmm. been, you know, a Baptist church from the time of John the Baptist, you know, yeah. the first one all the way till today. And they caught, there's an old book that I think was written in the, in the 1900s called the trail of blood. Now the scholarship in it has been absolutely disproven. But it's just, I just think it's a gnarly name for a, for a metal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I, I can't remember what that's called, but it's, it's a, a series on, on Baptist history uh, by Jim Renahan. And I think this one has, that one has to do with, you know, Baptists in the Reformation or, or, or the roots in the Reformation or something like yeah, that. I'll you can it find it. Check it out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the things that, uh, that, that I noticed, uh, just in, in studying Lloyd Jones's work, um, uh, and that's, that's where I've been living this week. Um, and, uh, was, was him in, in the section about Puritanism and its origins. He, he talked about guys like, uh, Cranmer and, and, uh, and Ridley, uh, how they were more on mm-hmm. the Anglican side of, mm-hmm. Uh, of, of just going, you know, like accepting what the church, um, uh, you know, they would protest, but having protested, they accepted the, the positions of the church during Queen Elizabeth's time and the Puritans, uh, their view was quite different. They, they, you know, they, they defied the queen and said that we weren't going to stick with these vest, the, 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 the vestments and the, the clerical garb because of it being related to, uh, the papacy and the Pope. Uh, and one of the things that, uh, that I found, uh, interesting in, in reading that. And one of the things that I wrote in the margin of the book, um, was that there was a thing called a surplice, uh, that, 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 Elizabeth wouldn't say no, you know, she, she appointed herself the head of the church and wouldn't say no to, to wearing this. Um, and the Puritans said, we won't because it's you, because of it was used by the Roman Catholic church. And one of the things that I could not help but think of, and these guys will tell you that I always end up mentioning, uh, this group whenever we do a recording is, you know, you look at what goes on now in the contemporary church, and their use of songs by Bethel and Jesus culture. And, and again, not trying to bash on them or anything, you know, but but just calling a spade a spade and and calling it for what it is. I mean, uh, using their music in church um, is 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 something that's very normative, I guess you could say now. Um, and and one of the things that I love about the Puritans is their commitment to that regulative principle, the commitment to the uh, sticking to scripture. Um, and and of course it 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 got them. Of course, it got them in trouble. Uh, and then you, you know, you move towards time, you know, the time of the, of the great ejection. Um, so was there anything when you were doing the documentary um, that stood out to you or that you would like to comment on as far as the great ejection or the regulative versus normative? Principle? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, working toward there, toward the, the regulative and normative principle, just to just a, a point of clarification the you know, the Puritanism really started um as a as a reform movement within the Church of England, and so all of the Puritans, in a sense, would have been Anglicans. Mm, okay. uh, they would have been part of the Church of England, um, and yet, and and some Puritans were remained Anglicans. They remained faithful to the Church of England and uh, tried to work for reform within. Um, others would have been called dissenters, uh, Presbyterians, Independents, eventually Baptists. Uh, who said, you know, we dissent, we we dis- we can't go along with that, and so um, that one of the the main issues really uh, driving the Reformation and driving this sort of further Reformation in the Puritan era is the issue mm-hmm. of worship. Does God have a right to say how He wants to be worshipped, and should we listen to Him? And it's hard to read the account of Nadab and Abihu without, (laughs) you know, think of that church launch service and how wrong that went. You know, Um, they're just having, hey, we're just launching our new church plan up here. Everything's going great. You know, worship team gets up and they do they do one thing that, you know, clearly wasn't um, prescribed by God. And he shows them that he Mm -hmm. is holy and that he's not to be uh, worshipped. However, you know, according to our own will. So there's this issue of will worship, mm, which was yeah. a phrase that was used back in those days, which is worship according to human will. And, uh, you know, as you guys well know, will worship is alive and well mm-hmm. in 2019. 
Um, but just to lay it out, the regulative principle was not an invention of right. the Puritans. It was actually formu- it was formulated by Calvin and adopted by all of the Reformed churches. Uh, but it was an issue of, for the Puritans, because as you mentioned, the Church of England held that what is not forbidden in the Word of God may right. be allowed in the Correct. worship of God. And so sometimes that's referred to as the normative principle. And again, in our day and age, that is certainly the most widely practiced, whether they know it or not, approach to worship by mm-hmm. Christian churches. I don't think if you went into a church where they were, you know, hey, today we're going to have a puppet show and we're going to show a movie clip and then we're going to, you know, do this thing or that thing. Sister Sally's going to sing a solo and then, <laughs> you know, or, you know, whatever the whatever the cool version of sister Sally is, you know, uh, worship leader Bill is going to rip a guitar <laughs> yeah. solo at you, you know? Um, I don't think if you went into one of those churches and said, Oh, so you guys practice the normative principle of worship. They'd say totally like we got shirts for that back here. We're super <laughs> into the normative principle, but that's what it is because um, you know, back then they, they felt that ceremonies in worship, were to a large extent indifferent. Mm-hmm. That is, they're they're neither commanded or right. forbidden mm-hmm. in the scriptures. And so, whatever you want to do, you can do it. Yeah. Um, in our day, we have people worshiping a god, quote, through interpretive mm-hmm. dance, or perhaps replacing the corporate singing with a concert, or you know, some of the stuff that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe truth is not communicated by preaching. Uh, maybe it's a, a puppet show. Maybe it's a video presentation. Etc. But the Reformed view, both then and now, has uniformly been that that only that which is prescribed in the Word of God can be introduced into the worship of God. Mm-hmm. So, what are those things? Well, we we see it laid out in the Confession that it's the reading of Scriptures, preaching, the hearing of the Word of God, teaching and admonishing one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord and also the administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper, that those are all parts of religious worship, the religious worship of God, and they're commanded by him, and they're to be practiced by all of his churches. Yeah, amen, man. Yeah. Amen. I I, uh, I could not agree more. And as somebody who uh, has led worship and, and uh, you know, I, I uh, came to faith in uh, October 31st, actually, uh, I, I, you know, I'm one of those guys who I can, I can, I can say, yeah, this, this was the day that, that I, I, the Lord opened my eyes and I remember going, yes, that's it. That's, uh, I, mm-hmm. I need him. I am a sinner. I, I, oh my gosh. And I, I can, I can put a day on it. And, uh, it was October 31st of 2000 and got into leading worship and, uh, and was a normative principle guy for a long time, a long time. Um, and it, and it sure. was, until Chris Tomlin started putting courses. <laughs> no, no, I actually love my chains are gone. Uh, I, I mean, that's, that, that's a, that's, that, that, that's a good little addition there. So, uh, thank you, Babylon B for that fun article. Um, stop adding choruses to hymns. Um, but it honestly, it was, uh, it was a few years. It wasn't until a few years ago that, um, or a couple of years ago, it wasn't even, it wasn't even more than two, uh, that, that through the reading of the word, it wasn't even through reading, uh, the Puritans or the reformers. Uh, it was through the reading of the word, John four specifically, uh, the woman, the woman at the well, that, that got a hold of me. And I started asking questions like, mm-hmm. what are we doing and why are we doing it? And when Ephesians five says we need to make most use of the time that we have because the days are evil. And as you can imagine, that did not go over well. Uh, at all. Uh, I was the guy who liked to be divisive and self-righteous and uh, because I, I, I wanted to stick to that. What does the scripture say? This should look like, Um, you know, uh, as as Ligon Duncan would say, we need to pray the word, preach the word, sing the word. Um, And that, that. And it's amazing that nowadays when you hold to scripture, you actually seek to hold to scripture and live a life that's governed by scripture. You're viewed as a legalist now. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and and, you know, we've, it seems like we've, we've forgotten, well, or, or ignored the answer of what, what is the purpose of gathering on Sunday morning? Mm. Right. Right. I mean, we're, is the purpose here for me to get something out of an experience or for me to, to, uh, to, yeah, to, to get something out of what's going on or is the purpose here, the main purpose we're gathering together to worship a holy God. 
mm-hmm. right? And you often find, at least I have, I was having a conversation uh, with with uh, one of our pastors at our church about this, is that when your answer to that question very often will dictate whether you're going to be following the regulative or the normative principle, right? If your focus is on God, well, then we're going to be very careful on how we do that <laughs> because simply sure. the stories we see in the Bible, right? Nadab and Abihu, sure. mm-hmm. they, they were going for the experience. They were, they were playing with strange fire, you know, and, mm. and, it, and they quite literally got burned because of it. So it, it yeah. really, it really is important how you answer that question. What is the purpose of gathering together on Sunday morning? Yeah. And people just, don't realize that there is, there's actually a worship that God rejects. Right. Just because you come to give what you call worship doesn't mean God's going to accept it. Right. Yeah. It's I mean, hard to read Genesis and not see that. Right. That's right. But, yeah. Right. So, right. I mean, I have an anecdotal example of that. We have a study called the Behold Your God, Rethinking God Biblically study that we produce. And um, it's been used all around. Um, and there's a oh, I wish I had time to tell you this whole story. There's a great church plant that we are involved with in a, in a place called Ras Al Khaimah which is one of the five United Arab Emirates. So you know where Dubai is, right? Wow. So you go about yeah. 45 minutes yeah. north of Dubai. And there hasn't been a Christian church in this place, um, maybe ever. And the, But there are uh, several really solid works in Dubai. And so the believers who live there were driving 45 minutes down to Dubai. Uh, there was a Christian businessman who was, um, very, it's a very Old Testament story. There was a Christian businessman who was helping the king um, and he helped him make some very good business decisions that helped the king in some big ways. And so the king says to him in a very Old Testament way, anything in my kingdom that you want to repay you for your service. And he says, well, king, you know, I've talked to you about the fact that I'm a Christian and I don't have anywhere to worship my God in your kingdom. And so, you know, it's a kingdom. You can't just go rent a building. Right. The king owns everything. Mm-hmm. And so the king says, done and he takes him to a bank you know puts the money in it takes him to a site and says this is going to be the place will this place work and he builds a a worship center and says great put a church in place so a call goes to dubai from dubai goes to uh mark dever and the guys over in dc and my friend josh manley who had gone through that uh training program there uh and had graduated from southern uh was was given a call and said hey you want to go pastor the first christian church in ross alkaima and he said, yes. And so he's been over there with his family for a long time now. All that is set up to the regular principle of worship anecdote, which is they got the Behold Your God study and they were taking some people through it uh, early on in the in the church work. And you have it's a business hub. So you have uh, very, you know, uh, intelligent, hardworking people from all around the world who are working for these big corporate centers that are located in, you know, in the in the Emirates. And uh, but you have Westerners and you have Easterners. And so everybody is is into it and they're clocking, you know, they're, they're doing well with the with the study until they get to the week where we deal with the issue of worship. Does God have a right to say how he wants to be worshipped and how he doesn't have a right to want to be worshipped? And there was a lady who, um, uh, if I remember the story correctly, was from somewhere, maybe Germany. And she was very upset by this. She said, you know, look. This is how I'm comfortable worshiping God. Maybe it was through, you know, interpretive dance or maybe, you know, doing some kind of thing like that. That's just how I'm comfortable worshiping God. I grew up worshiping God that way. Everybody that I know worships God that way. Uh, That's the way that my church services work. That's just the way I'm comfortable doing it. And, you know, the idea underneath that is that God's kind of lucky to have me on his team. And, you know, I'm here worshiping. Like, what else do you want? And this is how I'm comfortable doing it. And and it took a lady from the East, and I forget where, but she stopped her and said, you know, enough with this talk about how you're comfortable worshiping God. I grew up worshiping God by placing a little bowl of rice in front of a statue. Everybody that I know worshiped God like that. All my family, that was the way that my worship services were. Uh, but, but when I came mm. to the true and living God, I, I had to realize that he is the one who gets to say how we worship him. And mm. so it took mm-hmm. the testimony of a literal former idolater to convict this evangelical idolater to, of, of her idolatry and worship. Uh, and that's just, wow. you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that, that, that leaves a mark. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Wow. 
Man, that's uh, uh, man, and that's uh, you know going back to what we were saying at the beginning, uh, as far as Puritanism and and believing that the Reformation isn't over yet, and um, uh, you know, I this is one of the things that we've talked about on previous episode episodes is that uh, in our day. Uh, and the need for, um, you know, r- reformation in our day. And, and uh, you know, one of the, the pictures that Drew uh, put on our social media when we started Reformation Month was Ad Fontes, you know, uh, back to the source. And I heard Dr. John Snyder refer to that today. Um, and, uh, and, and that, that's a big deal right now. You know, back to the source of what scripture yeah. says. I've got a, uh, there's a, fr- a close friend of mine uh, here in Atlanta who, is a pastor and and one of the things that he and I were talking about in light of some events that took place over the last week and social media has blown up about it. I won't mention right. it right now, but uh, one of the things that uh, that he talked about was theological consistency. Uh, and and that was a piece he was going to start working on. And it got me thinking, you know, you know, about uh, about that for each of us as evangelicals, as, as Christians, as little Christs, uh, we need to be as theologically consistent. And the only way to do that is sola scriptura, mm-hmm. um, and, and to stick to that and not to, not to go outside of that. You know, mm-hmm. Justin Peters, uh, I'm going to butcher the quote, but at the truth matters conference last week, that's one of the things he said, have you mastered this book? And if the answer is no, and it will be no, go back to the book, Mm -hmm. Uh, go back to scripture and let that inform everything you do. Um, You know, Peter says we have everything we need as it pertains to life and godliness and uh, a more sure word again, using the words of Peter. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, it's just, it's just interesting uh, how, how easily we do that and and tend to turn to ourselves and, uh, and things like the normative principle when it comes to, when it comes to how God wants to be admonished mm-hmm. uh, and that ascribed glory that we give him. Yeah. You've so. heard the phrase, I'm sure, semper reformanda, always reforming. And so the, the full yes, phrase is, uh, and my Latin's terrible, I'm sure. I wish I was Ian Hamilton and I could say it right. And I could say it with a, with a cool Scottish accent, you know, but Ecclesia reformata, semper reformanda, uh, secundum verbum die. So the church reformed, always reforming according to the word of God. That's the, Amen. that's the full phrase. And that's where we are. And, you know, you can't miss, uh, Dr. Beakey says this in the film, because this is one of the big impetus behind we, us wanting to bring this conversation about the Puritans into 2019 um, there are so many similarities between the situation that they were in and the situation that we find ourselves in. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, they um, there, there was persecution there, real persecution. We're certainly moving into a time where if you do believe what the Bible says about sexuality and about gender roles or even the existence of gender, um, you're going to know what that feels like to, to have to stand right. for yeah. those things and be. Uh, told that you hate people and that you, uh, you know, you're not going to get a pin for being a really great Christian. Um, and that's why you're going to be persecuted. But, you know, there are other, you, you guys talked about the printing press. Um, we're we're mm-hmm. staring at each other from our living rooms in different parts of the world uh, on a podcast, right. mm-hmm. like technology in God's hands um, in his timing. Uh, so many people that I talk to in conferences around the world, their testimony starts with, well, you know, I was kind of interested in church or maybe they weren't interested at all. And then I heard this sermon on YouTube from, you know, Paul Washer or John right. Piper or somebody yeah. like that. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then I started Googling and I started reading all this other stuff. And yeah. so, you know, we live in, in a day where um, it's very, very promising. We see the doctrines of grace taking hold in more and more pulpits and more and more young men. Uh, and so, mm-hmm. you know, we, it's, it's interesting days, uh, but it's, it's certainly, uh, I don't think we can uh, rejoice that the, uh, revival has begun, but it sure. mm-hmm. historically, these kinds of things have lined up in the past before God has done a great work. So we can plead with him to remember his name, to remember Absolutely. his zeal Absolutely. for his name and to work in us and in mm-hmm. our churches. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, uh, man, I think that's a good uh, that's a good place to land the plane for this one. What do you guys think? Man, I couldn't agree more. 
<laughs> Matthew. What we really uh, should have done oh, was sorry, we should have yeah. just said, uh, uh, hey, Matthew, uh, just kind of take this over. You run the show. And then, because <laughs> I mean, it's turned out so good. It's so rich and edifying. Well, I wasn't you know? trying to and, show and it run. Well, no, no, it's no, good no. Because it all, gives man. us, no, no. you know, everything you just said uh, about. Uh, social media about technology in God's hands, right? The proper use of it. Uh, it gives us hope for the future, right? Because, I mean, we can look around and we can see how uh, social media and technology is being used to, you know, degrade people. It's being used to promote sin. Uh, but, you know, when if Christians get a hold of it and actually learn how to use it rightly, yeah. like Christians, uh, if Christians know, will act like right. Christians on social media. Exactly. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I mean, maybe they should read the Puritans some, you know, before they get on social media. But uh, I mean, if we learn, if we actually believe, live out what we say we believe and then use social media and technology to that. I mean, there is tremendous hope for the future. Yeah. Who knows? Who yeah. knows? Uh, I do know that I, I so appreciate hearing you guys saying that we have to lash ourselves down to the authority of the word of God, because that will be the issue in every generation. Um, and, you know, what I hear, um, I, I've heard, I, we don't want to get into con- controversy, do we? Uh, but, but, but the, you can cut this bit out if you want, because I know you guys are trying to land the plane, but um, you know, I, have a no, have no, a no, you're good man. You have a friend who uh, was weighing in on the on the controversy of the day, which I'm sure everybody will forget about by the time this comes around. But he was, you know, it was about what what maybe should have been said to a certain lady preacher, and it was all this really flowery stuff. Like it was sweet stuff. Like you know, he should have said like you're the moon, and you know you're tied to the to the tides, and you know, and, and you, this is a love letter. No, this is, this is just like a post on social media for, you know, he was just saying, this is what he should have said. He should have said, you know, I just noticed that you're strong and you're inspiring and you're, da, 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 you're the moon, you're the tides. But like, none of that stuff is nice as, as it is. Like none of that stuff's in the Bible, you know, and exactly. whether or not our, our uh, elder statesman, uh, could have maybe used uh, more tact that could be debated, but what he said is in the Bible. And so, you know, again, Amen. that's, that's the divide and that will always be the divide. And so it's, what's encouraging to me uh, is to see just how much emphasis is being given, not just like, Hey, we need to learn ch- Christian history or, Hey, we need to get really into this new kind of doctrine, but we need to go back, as you said, to the sources, to the fountain and recognize that mm-hmm. the word of God is that fountain. So, you know, hold fast to it, brothers. Amen. Yeah, yeah, amen, man. And that's, I mean, it, you're absolutely right. Um, you're absolutely right. Um, and, man, I would love to, uh, man, if we could just pray for you um, uh, before, you know, before we end the episode and um, uh, just to pray, uh, you know, for your family and and your ministry, the ministry that the Lord is, is, is definitely called you to and uh, provided uh, ways for you to, uh, to do and man, uh, it would continue to be the blessing for, uh, uh, for, for people around the world, man. Uh, Thank so, you so much. So if we, yeah, absolutely, man, we'd love to, we're going right. to do that now. Uh, so father, we, uh, we thank you for, ten, for, for this time. We, we thank you so much for your sovereignty. Father, nothing is outside of your control uh, God, we don't affirm open theism. We don't believe that you're looking down the tunnel of time and learning. We believe that you have ordained the end and the means to the end. And what you have given us in your breathed out word is what we need to hold to. Uh, Father, we thank you for Matthew. We thank you for uh, his family and the support they are to him as he travels uh, around the world to bring to light uh, the, the, the wonderful history of all that you have accomplished and how you have built your church, uh, father. And, and, and we just pray that you continue to bless his family, give them strength, uh, that the times that he is home, give that time to be quality time, uh, father for, for Stephen and 
for Matthew and uh, the other one and a half full-time staff members of Media Gratier. Uh, Father, we pray for continued favor. We pray for continued provision. Uh, God, as they just want to honor you, they want to worship you in what they do uh, and celebrate all that you have accomplished, uh, all that you have accomplished for your church, for your glory. God, continue. God, to lead us, ad fontes, back to the source, back to your word for everything that we do. Father, and may the words of Colossians 3.17 ring true in all of our lives and whatever we do in word and in deed, we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. God, we love you. We thank you. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. And when and that's going to do it for oh did you have I had one question when's 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 the okay. rehearsal for the tears or, or trail of blood <laughs> trail, trail of blood, blood. <laughs> because I play drums and so we've got and I, I yeah. got guitar I've, I've got yeah. my lesson. <laughs> there we go Matthew like, that how, means you're on vocals buddy you better be working great. on your scream <laughs> oh I've got it trust me um, there that, we go so do you have a good blast beat Josh because that's oh, all I can get you some blast, blast beats beat. I can get you some crush beats man double right. bass rolls all day long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Sweet. Let's do it in the between. So let's do the, it in between. I think, the yeah, I think between the matters, yeah. like I'm yeah. sensing a fellow metalhead here. I'm thinking between yeah. the matters might have to be uh, some music talk. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Sweet. So be on the lookout for our new album. Yes. The Trail, Trail of Blood. Blood. From 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 the from the band. From the Trail band yes. From the band it, Trail of Blood. Should it be it's a, our se- debut it be a self-titled I mean, all, album? Yeah. yeah Trail yeah, of Blood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the fir- first title is called Baptism in the Water. That's, that's I mean, I think it's Baptized by <laughs> Blood is the thing. But yeah, yeah. Baptized yeah, by Blood, that's, that's the thing. Okay. Full immersion. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great song title. There a lot, a lot of people are going to become Presbyterians because of this record, I'm afraid. <laughs> you know what? Is it bad? I don't care. <laughs> like, that's fine. <laughs> Reformed Baptist or Presbyterian, Whoa. like either one. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Between the Matters. We want to thank our guest, Matthew Robinson, director of media, co-director of Media Gratier. Yeah, Throw that in there. Uh, make your way to mediagratier.org or themeansofgrace.org in English. Pick up your copy of the Puritans documentary. Also look around for other resources such as Rethinking God uh, Biblically. biblically. Uh, and what's the other one? Uh, the Weight of Majesty. Go, go and pick those up, support them. Uh, we love the work that they're doing and check out the Behold Your God podcast with Matthew Robinson and Dr. John Snyder. So It'll change good. your life and Absolutely. help you grow in sanctification. So with that, we're going to get out of here. See ya. See ya.